London, UK, I'm back. You couldn't keep me away for that long. But sorry, I got a little bit busy. But grab your sandwich, strap in, because we're going to talk a bit today about something interesting. I've got the guests, you grind the sandwiches, and we'll go for it together. Just another 10 seconds. 15, okay, I was wrong, it's 15. 14 now, and we will kick off shortly. It's all happening here on LinkedIn, Facebook, I don't know, YouTube's wherever. All right, all right, enough talk. Let's go, friend. All right. Hello, everyone in the big wide world. We're streaming at you live from the power of the internet. And I am Stephen Drew, and I'm here with a fantastic guest to my, oh, to get the right way, to my left, Sarah. And I've known Sarah for a little while on the internet worlds. We'll have to meet at some point, Sarah, in person. But we're here to talk today about a poignant topic about disruption in the architecture industry. It's an interesting time, 2022. I think that's the year now, isn't it? 2022. And we're going to talk today a little bit about all the change that's happening together. So, Sarah will get you, you get your phone ready, but I'll get, I can, I will, oh, I'm on my own. I've been, I've been, di Sarah's disconnected. This is one of the risks. This is one of the risks of live streaming. So we're going to go for it anyway, because disruption, we hear it a lot. I mean, if you follow in the Arctic Terminal, there's political disruption, as well as that you have technology disruption. People are talking about the metaverse. People are talking about NFTs. And all this is going on at the moment. So today... We're going to talk about what is hot air. And as well as that, we're going to talk about what's really happening. And part of the beauty of our live stream is, as well as eating your sandwiches. So while I'm live here and Sarah will be joining us back now, here we go. Let's click it. While Sarah's coming back, you can eat your sandwiches and you can drop us some questions. So Sarah, you're back. I'm back. We're working. Don't worry. It's all good. We're, we, we're, we're freestyling. This is, we're going to let our hair down. It's a Wednesday. But Sarah, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? And then maybe we can talk a little bit about what's coming up and what, and what will feed into this topic about disruption in architecture. Sounds awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I always wanted to be on this show and here I am. Yeah, we yeah. got there. We got there. Woo <laughs> um, so I'm Sarah Colato and I started um, sort of doing what I'm doing after I run my own architecture practice, which was specifically in the humanitarian sector, and I realized the difficulty of doing so. And mm. um, through some ups and downs, I ended up educating myself in business, marketing, and all those sweet things to help yeah. um, understand a little bit better how to run a practice and also how to develop my own business. Because I realize I'm an entrepreneur, you know, I hate having a boss, that sort of stuff, and <laughs> create your own projects to work on. And, and yeah, and I started by um, creating an online course around helping architects to actually teach online. So yeah. create their own training programs. And uh, two years in now, I'm doing other things, but uh, mainly 
um, coaching architects online in business, how to get clients and how to grow their presence. Um, and we're moving also to some more serious business development topics because I partner up with some amazing organization of co coaches and consultants that are doing this for many years now, specifically right. for the AAC sector. Um, so, yeah, so it's all about consultancy and growing your business. <laughs> well, there you go. It's interesting because I've had some good bosses and I've had some good um I've had some good experiences. I did a psychometric test a few years ago. And well, it's a bit of a controversial thing to talk about it live, but it basically said in the psychometric test that I am very hard to manage if I don't believe in the manager. So maybe, Sarah, we, we share something there. So by nature of leaving architecture in one sense, that's a scary thing to do at first. And I did the same thing. You know, I you study all those years in architecture and I and I, luckily I have supportive parents and friends and all that but I would go down the pub with some of my architecture friends and they would be like are you not doing your part three um you know exams you're crazy you've done five years just finish it and to me I, I wasn't I didn't feel quite right for me and by nature of going against the status quo I mean now people go oh yeah you're fine and you've done all right but at the time it was quite a scary thing was that the case for you then Sarah when you were thinking of doing something different as well yeah it was, but um, I think that I justified it by realizing that, um, first of all, I think the first time I really felt sort of scared about a change was when I realized that I don't want, really want to work for anyone and start my own practice. And, yeah. you know, I thought about it purely from a business perspective. I obviously knew I can't sign my own plans. I'm not like a fully chartered architect, but um, yeah. I looked yeah. at it as a as a business and I said, okay, if I find clients to serve and we have construction projects, then I'll just hire an architect to sign my plans, right? <laughs> and the name of the company can be whatever. So yeah. that's how I approached this to start with. And then the sort of leaving architecture happened when six years in, I, I actually realized I'm not the best business person. You know, I'm not turning profit. I was reinvesting the profits back into the business because I had right. to. Um, and so that sort of really affected um, the way I started to feel in the world because on one hand I had a, a you know a business or let's just say was living a life that I want I dreamt of right I wanted to be yeah. building and I was fully immersed in building we did both design and build um, so that was really tremendous and in the aspect of, of architecture I certainly grew a lot in that time because had to manage construction, had to manage people. I had to yeah. understand how things are actually built. And so that was amazing. But um, I was hitting 30 and I wasn't making money. And I started to compare myself to people that actually never started a business, but actually worked for someone else. And because I yeah. studied in London, you know, the salary in London, you know, after about oh, yeah. six, seven, 10 years post-graduation, You'd be easily making a 3K a month to 5K a month. And I was thinking, oh my God, what could I, what kind of life could I have if I had that sort of salary? Because <laughs> I wasn't making that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, um, and there was just this tremendous responsibility. So I thought, you know what, I'm so young. And even though normally you think, okay, I'm going to do part two, 
uh, I thought, you know what? No, I'm going to go and do business. <laughs> I'm going to do study. I'm going to study business. I'm going to study marketing. I'm going to study whatever it takes to learn. And I think, you know, really where I'm at right now is just sort of sharing what I learned um, because I became very passionate about it. And it's interesting because now every day I meet architects that approach me and they have all these amazing projects and they're like, hey, would you help us with business development? This is what we're doing. And I look at their projects and I'm like, as, as fascinated as I am by the building, I love where I'm at right now. It's kind of like combined that love for business and entrepreneurship and the sort of anything can happen scenario with the love for building and architecture. So in some ways, I think that I didn't really leave. I just kind of went more to where, you know, that feels perhaps a little bit more authentic for me. Yeah. Very cool. I think um, it, it, oh, that's an interesting story. And I, even if you are in architecture and thinking of setting up your own business, there's a lot of parallels there. But also I've met, especially over the last year or two, a lot of people that want to move away from architecture and do architectural writing or architectural marketing or, you know, move into the game industry or, yeah. or, or guess where we're going with the topic today. Kind of doing a merge and technologies within architecture because especially and i know we were talking a little bit about it last year but we were getting the the murmurs it was going from in the in the you were hearing rumblers in the background to more and more mainstream all this like you know the metaverse nfts emerging technologies virtual reality i mean virtual reality has been around for a long time but we're starting to take it serious in terms of architecture and as well as that the way I see it, or online businesses. So I blasted on the scene in 2020. You've been chipping away at things as well. But also the adapting, the natures of businesses adapting, I find it really, really important. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to bring up something that you've been organizing because it's going to have a nice segue to what we're talking about. And I've got two main questions I want to ask to you. Uh, right, One, And it's going to be why you've done it. And you can tell me in a bit, but also how you did it, which is quite impressive as well. So I'm going to bring up the screen. So we've got here Disrupt Symposium. I'm not sponsored to do this. It's fine. I don't want to be sponsored. <laughs> I should, but I quite like the topic. And you kind of surprised me. It's like came out of the blue. And I was like, this is quite cool. Right. So you've got this Disrupt Symposium, which I think is perfectly named. Got the cool backgrounds. But look at some of the names. And you've got architectural practices, which are kind of taking it seriously and starting to think about it and i first of all how uh, did you go about getting patrick schumacher involved because this is the kind of guy i read like in architectural journals and all this stuff and he's kind of infamous right you've got polarized views on patrick's way of architecture but whatever people think of him they know his name so first of all how did you come about with this idea and then tell me how you started to get all these speakers that are going to be in your symposium about disruption, Sarah. Sure. I mean, you know, between you and me, um, you know very well. <laughs> me, you and me, you and me, and the and, and the live stream world. The viewers, um, <laughs> yeah. But I think more than anyone here, you know very well what it feels like and means to create a lot of content online um, yeah. and build a community. And I think that when you came around, I was already doing this for about six months, but I started with Ooh. zero following. So I didn't have, you know, 
whatever amount of people connections on LinkedIn when I started. Um, mm. When you started, you'd come in with twenty thousand connections on LinkedIn. Oh, was that my? That's like my that? unfair advantage, right? That's unfair a good advantage. one, listeners. Yeah, you should always so, you build up these stuff, right? Exactly, and so a big part of it is also like creating value on a bigger scale to right. elevate elevate my brand. You know, not gonna lie. So I think that this is really what digital transformation is about. It's Ooh. about. Um, sometimes going big or going home because the smaller actions don't count for as much um, right. if you don't have a big following. And so I wanted to reach a broader audience with the message. And I really, okay. at the moment, believe and I'm extremely passionate about this message. And really what the message is about is uh, it's about educating architects in business. And something that um, I've always been a little bit annoyed by because I am an I am an entrepreneur, which means that perhaps I'm not in love with every single person that made it, but I understand how hard it is to create something from scratch, and not everyone oh. is you know blessed to have a very rich family that will commission your first project or the connections or whatnot. However, yeah. in the architect industry, we have a lot of this sort of things that we say about the big offices or the big people that made it out there that, you know, perhaps they did because parents connections or because of the money that they had or not. And it might be true, but it doesn't mean that for all of them made it like this, first of all. And second of all, I don't think that even if you have uh, someone to invest in you from the very beginning that you're going to make it, that's just not how it works. So yeah. I assume that since, these people navigated to, you know, the extremes of Zaha Did Architects or OMA, you know, and the big names. They certainly must have basically overcome challenges that might be relatable to you and me. Mm. And so I came up with this assumption and therefore started to research more. And thanks to publications such as Madame Architects and also a bunch of really interesting publications on Arc Daily and other media, I realized that um, that there is people out there that run big departments that were hired for these big companies to actually solve problems initially. And that was certainly true, for for example, for um, Sheila Sogard when she hi was hired for big. Um, I read an article that they really struggled to get their clients to pay them. And I thought, really? big? I mean, come on. You know, they're building like the skyline of New York. How can you still struggle with something that I hear smaller practices struggle with every day. And when I read the full interview with Sheila, it was true that she was hired to actually revolutionize the way that they were executing payments for clients. And her first task was to go after all these clients that didn't pay on time. And I was like, mm. huh, isn't that interesting that those are like the main points that I discuss with my clients that are much smaller and yet here is this huge company that is dealing with a very similar issue. And so I thought, you know, perhaps this is like ide idealizing them or saying that they have an advantage or not. I mean, surely they do. But there is also mm. a level of strategy and selectivity that goes into play that makes, um, makes them more successful and somehow navigate through problems in a different way. And so what I wanted to really do with this event is to invite people that run specific departments in these big organizations like you know comms departments marketing um 
branding that do um, relate to finances, to strategy, to getting clients, business development. Um, because I think that those people, even though not all of them are architects, those people really understand what constitutes business and what sort of decisions you have to take in order yeah. to successfully run a communication strategy or, you know, or a marketing strategy or your business development. And, um, and it was interesting because now, obviously, you know, I'm about six months in doing all this work and communicating with people. And um, on the back of it, I'm having a lot of conversations with both speakers and sometimes their marketing departments within their offices. And, you know, people say to me, before you ask those questions, we never really thought about how we're doing things. You know, mm. this was true, for example, for Moshi Safdi Architects, two partners that I interviewed uh, last week. And, you know, they were having a conversation internally and they said, it's really interesting for us to reflect back onto what we do and how we do it and our values that drive it forward. And, and I think that this is kind of interesting for everyone to, to stop and think and to learn from people that are actually doing a good job because... For one, I really believe that Savji Architects being a small office and building mega projects certainly are what I would define as successful, right? Um, yep. And I also think that they stand for some kind of value that it cannot be copied. It's, it's something extremely unique. And so I really tried to handpick um, companies that for some reason, one or another, like I've given you an example of big, you know, now talking of Savji Architects, they attracted me because of something they're doing in business that makes them unique or perhaps because mm. of a problem that they had and how they resolved it. So this isn't like a show of big names, you know, um, <laughs> it's more about bringing in stories that perhaps have not been shared before so we can all learn from them. Mm, very cool. Very, very cool. I'll be definitely sure to check it out and follow it. And let's talk because it's quite inspiring. Where I find this inspiring, there's two there's two aspects to me for disruption. Okay. You got the tech, you've got the conversations about the metaverse and NFTs. And we're all quite curious about that because why would you not? And and everyone can have a different viewpoint on that. But at the same time, speaking from experience, there's a certain level of disruption, uh, which I think is quite healthy towards business, but it can be quite scary, especially if you're a well-established practice. So for example, you're not afraid to go out there to change your brand. I think you had the mastermind class before, which was successful, but now you're looking at your name, sarahcolata.com. And we had that conversation and it's quite interesting. And, and equally with myself, I was doing last year a lot of clubhouses on the architecture social and they were well received, but there was a point where even I could feel it starting to drop off and I kind of moved on. And I think as well as disruption, it's okay to adapt, and I think that's the other thing. But what, is, what I notice online, and I'd like to get your thoughts on this, is that often with being online, like live streaming, we're used to it now. There's always a little bit of, oh, okay, something can go wrong, but you can take it in your stride. But I think a lot of these topics of disruption and doing things and putting yourself out there, perhaps people feel a little bit scared to do it. And I, before, have felt that as well. So... Do you have um, any, so when you approach this topic of doing the symposium, were you at first 
oh, like, oh my gosh, how do I approach these people to talk about it? I'm sure you felt like that at some point because I would have, surely. You know, how did you message Patrick? Did you drop him an email or did you bump into him somewhere? Am I allowed to know? Is there a secret? Are you? <laughs> Um, do you know what I? I thought about um, the experience of being rejected in this process less because, and I might it might sound a little bit weird when I say it, um, but actually I thought there is so many people I could invite to it that if someone says no, I'll just go after another person. That's great it, attitude know? to have. Yeah. Um, so I just wouldn't take it personally, and at the beginning, a lot of people rejected uh, me but at some point um i was kind of balancing two things i was going after sponsors and speakers and to, to land sponsorships i had to create a, a proposal where i would suggest what chicken chicken and egg isn't it you need the speakers for the, the sponsors yeah right so i would create a proposal with suggested speakers and out of some of them obviously i didn't get a yes from because you know, because I needed the perhaps the bigger names on the sponsorship side or some other companies to believe in me before I go after these speakers. So it was like it was a conflict of who I land first. Um, and I would say that the beginning was almost like a vision board that I sold to the sponsors. Damn. And you know what's really funny is that when you open that vision board, 90% of the people, after all, actually said yes. So the photos that I have in my vision board of the suggested speakers... They're still on the website and I didn't manage to land them. So actually the 10% rejection, it was quite easy to take. And I understand people have loads of things going on. It's not personal. Also, I'm not some great big name. Maybe some companies didn't really know if, you know, this is for real or not. Who's this chick approaching them? (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So I completely understand that. I just thought with every person that said no, I said, okay, let's talk next year <laughs> after the first edition. Maybe you yeah. join then. And yeah. you know, that's it. It's cool. Um, but you know what? I got to tell you, people are extremely helpful. And I received a lot mm. of help from past uh, conference organizers um, like Martin Day, who's got Next Build. Um, he's been doing this for many years and has been just so helpful, sat, sat down with me, spent probably two hours giving me great advice. He helped me wow. understand the sort of money I can go after. Um, he actually shared some contacts with me, uh, introduced me to one or two people um, that actually ended up being my speakers. And then from there, I just approached these people and I said, you know, I would like to, for example, invite um, Schumacher. And I knew that there was a previous connection. And so... Specifically to Schumacher, I got introduced by Harry Ives. And Harry was... Ah, uh, yeah. From I know Harry. So yeah, it's basically just a chain of, you know, conversations. And I just realized with this event that what you want to do is say what you want. And if someone... And I was approaching like that from the very beginning because I also spoke to Cheaperfield and Heatherweek, who both of the companies actually at the end decided not to participate in the first edition. Um, right. But I, I, I developed relationships with partners and people that were also um, business developers there. And then I got introduced to someone else from them. So even though some companies are not present, I met other people through, through these <laughs> connections. So it's sort of kind of developing organically. Um, but certainly it started by 
identifying who I wanted to invite first and who I was going after. And then it was easier, a little bit like with ideal customers, it was easier to bring lookalike people <laughs> from other businesses, you know, once I oh knew who I'm after. And so a lot of times to start with, I asked for business developers and I was actually super fascinated and passionate myself to meet them. I was like, who's the person that goes after projects for big? You know, and I was just, I mean, I was, it was just incredible, you know, meeting those people and having conversations internally. And that's how the name also came about because we were having all these talks and people would just keep saying that word disrupting, disruptive. And I kept putting it down on my notes as I was taking notes, talking to these potential speakers. And then I was like, I really love this. This is like a reoccurring trend. People start referring to this as something disruptive. I'm just going to call it Disrupt Symposium. I love it. I, it's And and, and disruption, it, it takes many forms. So in one sense, yes, we could talk about the tech. And we'll, we'll go on to a little bit about, and I'd love for your thoughts on what your guests feel is the disruption and what they're going to talk about. But why I find it interesting is that this is like um, Inception, I guess, because this is on this scale, probably the first one you've done in this this length, and you had to break into choreographing this event. So by by definition, you've disrupted that. You don't need a huge company behind it. You don't need all these legacy sponsorships. It has to start somewhere. And I think that puts a lot of people off doing these things, isn't it? It's like, where do I start? Oh, I don't know anyone. Well, I think if you got that topic and you got that passion, half of it is graft, isn't it? Just like, Time, energy, and the other important bit that you brought on here is rejection. And I'm lucky in one sense through recruitment, you deal a lot of rejection. And in business, you need to have a lot of rejection. And there's this new concept that I've had lately of, and I've been following and reading a little bit about business and this kind of mentality. And it's really helped me a lot, especially this year where I'm totally on my own in business. And it's um, going for the nose. So it's such a strange idea. But when you proposition to someone, you already discredit that. Uh, you, you're prepared to uh, not take it forward. It's okay to say no. It's okay for the person to refuse to go into your symposium. It's okay that the business is not there and you allow them to say no. Exactly. And, and, and once you get in that, that in your head, it gets a lot easier because you're not there going, please, please, please say yes. And what you find is with a good topic and when you're engaging with people, people will come. Oh, we're having a little tour of your house here, are we? Where, we are, where, we are because we're going Where are you in the world? <laughs> Where are you right now? When you were in Morocco the other day? I'm in Spain and I was just, uh, it's the first day really in four weeks that we have a son. So oh, there you I'm go. And you're, in, and you're inside here. doing a live stream. So there you go. Enjoying my live streams. Yeah. <laughs> here we go. Brilliant. But now we're connecting to some power. And uh, here yeah, we go. Yeah, so you don't, you don't want to hang out. That'll be, the, that'll be the, the end of the episode, which is fine. But, you know. <laughs> imagine that it can all go wrong well that's the other thing with tech as well isn't it let's talk about that quickly because everyone worries about things being seamless and actually 
It's okay that things go wrong. It's okay that things are organic. And I kind of like that. I like that element as well because it is disruptive. There's so many things online which are super polished. And that's what I've quite enjoyed in the in doing my podcast episodes is that things can go wrong and you can have sounds. And, oh, I just upgraded my sounds as well. So can you hear that or not? I I, yeah. I hear I hear that you're very professional and oh no you don't very, yeah see my soundboard doesn't work I gotta last get my was, last week I was streaming to Arc Daily two point four million people on their Facebook page and one yeah. of my speakers couldn't connect right. had troubles with their tech and I actually wasn't sure if they will or will not manage but I still introduced them you, hoping you that still got gonna work. You still got to go on, haven't you? Well, let me change it now to see if you can hear it this time. Get a bit of music. Does that work? Oh, yeah. Here we go. We've disrupted. All right. So what else can we do? I've got my, I got my bell here. The disruption bell. All right. So, so tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. What have you noticed? Because while you've been and 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 that's awesome to learn how you've been going about it and all you listeners and watchers take that on board that you can do your own projects you just got to put the graft in and be prepared to have rejections and along the way you will get people that want to do it so that's an awesome tips are and actually how to disrupt but tell me what you've learned in terms of everyone you spoke to what are the general themes that people are going to be talking about and what do the architects themselves think is going to be disrupted this year you don't have to say everything because that's you know going to be part of the symposium but i'm sure there's themes that you've seen popping up right sure no absolutely and in a way i also curated it around topics that are interesting to me and maybe are not the most traditional topics that you know we talk about in architecture so one yeah. of the sort of most exciting things is we have certain business approaches of these practices that are being shared, like, for example, some oh, okay. architects um, talking about why uh, they chose to actually be a 50-person um, studio and they are working out of this brick house um, in Boston. Only 50 people building these mega projects. Guys, this is really amazing, I think, from a business perspective. Uh, and then we have... You know, we have a UN studio coming in to speak about technology and approaches to clients that is actually oriented around service, how to deliver a service. And so with this approach, they generate a lot of new um, new uses for their buildings that sometimes and oftentimes translate into money. So, for example... Right. Uh, they would be building a really huge office and they decide to put sensory technology into the lighting systems within that building so that mm -hmm. they can actually understand which rooms are used more. Of course, it's got a sustainability element because if motion activates lighting, it means that you save on electricity and you're not going to have rooms that are being lit when no one's using them. Okay. But then with time, they also gathered a lot of information around the usage of these buildings. And, and of course, by developing a technology like that, they get residual from selling that technology with the lighting company further on. So basically creation of interesting money-making opportunities for architects and why go into innovation and why get involved with technology, sometimes material development in order to get... Um, new ways of profitability right and get, bringing in new residual incomes into your practice and following that thought of residual 
we have also Parkinson Will that speaks about how they basically decided to create technology to maintain a building. It's also sensory technology, but the client after building and paying for construction pays a monthly fee for the app that gives you information on how the building is performing. And then within right. that fee, you also get maintenance from the architects onto these buildings. So like, just think about the business models that we're talking about here. We're combining mm -hmm. like a SaaS, you know, service as a, uh, as a, uh, uh, what you might call it? Was it service as a, oh my God, I'm blanking out, but service as a, a product system, can't remember. But anyway. Right, okay. The idea is that you pay for oh, subscription. So you pay for subscription. Sorry. Um, so that is one of the business that is one of the business models that you can implement. And it's very common in technology. So technological companies that are developing apps, for example, that you pay monthly for. This is the yeah. business model there. And it wasn't really present in architecture beforehand until you begin to be innovative about how you provide your services as an architect to your client. And therefore, you can change your business model around that too. And then following that trait, of course, the reason why I invited Krista Kim, who is the first, she's an artist, she's a famous artist, frankly, right now, um, the whole Times Square uh, this month at 12 o'clock midnight is turning into her art. So imagine all these wow. massive screens, you know, full of news normally and advertising are just turned off and turning into her artwork. Um, she's been really uh, popping around more and more in the last two years since she in, uh, invested her art into NFT and became a meta metaverse promoter, evangelist, a creator. And I heard about her because she was the first person to sell an architecture NFT and make half a million out of this. Frankly, yeah, I, I saw that with the house and the, my first reaction was like, well done her. Oh my God, I've got loads of these houses on my hard drive. I need to get in on this, right? Exactly. All, their, all them works just wasting away on hard drives. Exactly. And, you know, for me, it was fascinating. And I mean, who, I mean, who would say no to half a million dollars coming from digital art? If, if you know, whatever. people didn't think it was possible. Like, I don't know anyone that would have predicted that. They would have gone, you're crazy. You're insane. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, she done that and she moved on now to not only creating a metaverse, but also collaborating with huge companies like Louis Vuitton and whatnot creating spaces in the metaverse. And so this isn't, I think that her work is a living testimony to the fact that you don't just stop in one place. You know, people say, oh, you know, this NFT craze is going to die out. Well, even if so, there is more possibilities in the metaverse yeah. that we are not perceiving as, we, did, we didn't explore. We don't yet understand what, what can it be because it's new technology. But I think what's fascinating is to look into all these models and also see what people are doing, what they're investing themselves into and where yeah. that can go and what's in it for me, you know, as an architect, I'm running a, a practice, perhaps I have a bunch of stuff laying around that I'm not using mm. or I've never sold or I designed and I didn't win the competition. You still owe the IP rights. Just throw it out there. You know, you never know what's going to happen and it can help you also land new type of clients. Now, of course, you know, there's a lot of things to it, like sustainability, like whether or not we're 
devaluing our work as architects by going into the metaverse and whatnot. I don't really particularly want to discuss those topics in depth at Disrupt Symposium because Disrupt is about idea generation. It's about inspiration. It's about giving mm. you the options and the opportunity and sort of influencing you into thinking differently about how you do business. Now, if this is aligned with your values, go ahead. If not, that's cool as well. But just be open to explore and learn, right? That's all I say. Yeah. Um, and yes, of course, there is uh, practices that said, you know, this isn't for us, this is not sustainable, or we are, you know, in construction, we want to build physical buildings and going into virtual would just devalue who we are as architects. Therefore, we choose not to. And that's fair enough. I understand. But as you see, you know, our Zahari architects, they didn't have a second thought about stepping into the metaverse right now, building huge projects there. And Correct, frankly, yeah. Patrick Schumacher is going to come in and speak about it too. And what I love about, I think something personally that I've learned from all the speakers and talking to them is they're kind of very down to earth business approach to architecture. You know, I've had, and I'm not going to name names, but I've had people say, you know, architecture is just like delivering a pizza, you know, and, and it's great. <laughs> Sometimes we just over conceptualize what we do. And, you know, I do understand that it has this poetic notion, but at the end of the day, it's a business. And maybe sometimes if you take yourself off that poetic, you know, stool and start thinking about it more as like, do you know what? This is a service. We're providing a service. We're solving problems. And how can we do it best? Deliver it faster, mm. you know, do it best. Make it tasty. I don't know. Just like you would approach a pizza shop. Maybe there would be something to learn from it. So I like the strictly business approach that I've heard from a lot of speakers um, that by no means devalue what they're doing or what they're de delivering, but also have that very hands-on experience and, and perception onto business. And that's something that I certainly love and I'm excited to bring to the stage. Those very cool, very practical approaches to business of architecture. Let me go. Let me get my virtual audience to be a clap there. There you go. Welcome. I think it's. I think it's. I think it's some timely piece. And with NFTs, I've started experimenting with NFTs. And you're right because there's the sustainability aspect and all this stuff. My personal view, and it's just my view. These things are going to go on anyways. Metaverse yeah. is going to go on anyways, and. It's your choice whether you get involved or not. And I respect that. But it's going to happen. There is opportunities there. And I do think this is space for architects. Mm. I mean, okay, you're not doing, you don't have so many building regs because it's all virtual or whatever. That's an opportunity in itself. But yeah, I think there is a value for architects there. And guess what would be the interesting one? If you're precious about your, your, your title as an architect, a lot of people are going to be calling themselves architects on the metaverse and there's not much we can do about it. So yeah. I think you've got to kind of go along with the formula. And what I would say about NFTs, just quickly, I'm thinking of looking into my own collection and doing this stuff and how it can feed into recruitment. And it could be a total flop. I don't know, but it could be the next best thing. And going through that, I'll learn something. Even if it fails, learn something, right? And I think that's the benefit with all of this experimentation is the, the benefit of disruption and the conversations and connections that come out of it are so valuable. So yeah. I think that I think that gives it um, 
a nice little overview. So when is the Disrupt Symposium? I'm going to put the link up again here. So the symposium is happening between the 1st and the 5th of May. It is a five-day virtual event. Um, it is happening in our central Central European time. So that's Europe, I would say, and UK in the evening after work. So when you yeah. get home after work, you can connect or you can stay behind in your office and watch cool. it with your teammates. Um, we have we're selling tickets like crazy actually, which I'm very very excited for, and we have that's of, good. Yes, we have a lot of selling them. Um, that's the scary bit, isn't it? Will people come? Oh, yes. but you gotta get past it, you Absolutely. know. Absolutely, and um, and people are writing to you know we have we have practices to say hey we have 11 people from our practice wanting to join can you just invoice us because we don't want to buy individual 11 tickets and it's it's just amazing i love seeing that there are practices that invest in their people and say yeah. you know what it's not just for principals it's not just for business owners this is for everyone we want everyone to get the benefit of learning about business in our on our team and we will we will support um, you know the whole the whole team to come in and so I love that approach I really want to salute those people that invest in their team because I think um, we all lack business acumen because it's just not something it says provided at school and, no, and not true. everyone has perhaps the interest to develop in that but if it comes from your executives if it comes from your principals if your office says listen guys i want to pay for this training you guys go and learn about marketing comps and learn how these other practices are doing it together that can be very like revolutionary i think for a practice you know because you can come sit down with your team and say listen what did we learn from this perspective and that perspective and how can that you know transform our operations so I love that and, and I'm glad that it's getting that sort of attention because at first I didn't think that we'll have practices signing up. I thought it was going to be individuals, but actually, you know, I'm pleasantly yeah. surprised to see that, that that's the case. Um, it's very cool. Very yeah. cool. You have, to, you have to remind me, Sarah, am I like, I'm, when am I on one of your talks? I've, I've even forgotten the date, so you may as well tell me live now. <laughs> when am I chatting? Are you doing them? Because you've got the event and then you've got one or two like warm-up chats, right? So. Yes. Exactly. Is it so Simone de Gaal is involved? You've got a few yeah. awesome people. So when I, when have I got to do mine? Is because um, I'm collaborating on this event with Erg Daily, and Erg Daily, Very cool. obviously, being a massive magazine with great following, uh, we wanted to leverage um, their, their audience and being able to also reach out to perhaps new audiences that it's not your audience steve or my audience or an audience yeah, of sure. some friends in america right and so we decided that we're going to create free roundtable discussions that are broadcasted live just like this um this chat and awesome. um, covering different topics that we will actually speak at the conference bringing in perhaps other experts but but really in depth um, the topics of business development, sales, communications. We're going to be talking about the metaverse as well. And, and this is the opportunity as well for some of the sponsors to come together to the roundtable. So, for example, the 
the metaverse topic, we're going to have uh, some representation from H HP joining. Um, then we have one um, where Carl's group is involved when we speak about um, freelance culture, because with their V-Ray products, they have a lot of people that are architects that decided, you know what, I'm going to make money as a freelancer. Render, rendering stuff for other architecture practices. And so they really support that sort of freelance culture. So we're gonna talk about that as well. Um, and I think that's very interesting. And the one that you're joining, joining is about people. It's about build, building strong teams, recruitment, because to be honest, um, it's very, very expensive to replace talent in your company. And so- Absolutely. Our, yeah. I know our, that. Exactly. I send the invoices. It's not cheap. It not my time costs. Not keep keep your staff. You don't then you don't have to use me. Exactly, you know? exactly. And you know our our businesses unfortunately are very um, fragile to economic factors to um, you know yeah. uh, political factors. Look what's happening in Russia and Ukraine right now. You know all these Terrible. businesses. If you were having a lot of Russian projects. What is happening to your business today? You know, I mean, I'm thinking a lot of people out there, business owners are basically scratching their heads thinking what's next for me because the political situation affected their projects. And so, you know, we, we experienced that with Corona. We experienced that with every single crash uh, on, on the market where it comes to economy. So, yes, our businesses are fragile. And I think that retention of talent is extremely important and how do you approach it in the right way? And so in the round table where you're joining, Stephen, we're gonna discuss that. We're gonna talk about mm -hmm. equality and inclusion in the work environment. We're gonna talk about women in architecture and we're gonna talk about retaining your team and training your team and investing in a strong team. So it's gonna be definitely a very interesting one. Um, cool. But yeah, like uh, I've, been, I've been on a weekly basis looking forward to these because it's a more lively way to get involved and to see also the conversation around disrupt already happening ahead of disrupt cool. symposium so yeah i love it i love it we had one comment which made me laugh which came in which is yana saying fascinating stuff i could probably make a fortune off my student work as an nft <laughs> potentially <laughs> exactly. why not try it i'm tempted to whirl out my old student work i think um that's the spirit and what's the worst that happens it doesn't sell. No exactly. big deal. You've got to keep on moving. Well, on that note, Sarah, I think we've covered everything in a nice pace. And I think that's um, super cool. So I'm going to put the link down here one last time if people want to find you, but they can reach out to you on LinkedIn, find you on Facebook as well, or they can drop me a message. And I will also put the links. I will put the event on the Architecture Social website today. And when this podcast comes out, we'll have a link on it as well. Thank you so much for joining us, Thank everyone. You. Thank you, Sarah, for joining us. And I am going to end the stream here and get in touch with us. And I'm looking forward to the symposium. Thank you, Sarah. Thank, Thank you. you, everyone, for watching. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Bye. Bye.